0: packing down green river valley i if you couldn't no one have lost myself drinking hey welcome to mile high stash the podcast that asks what 5 albums you would take to a remote colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse armed only with food water and a crank powered Victrola. my name is adam and i'm the host of mile high stash and also a big, almost lifelong fan of Jane's Addiction. So I'm, I'm very excited that after three months off, we get to reunite here on Mile High Stash for episode one of season two with one of my biggest childhood heroes, acclaimed, legendary Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pyros drummer Stephen Perkins, who talked with me recently from behind one of his drum kits in Los Angeles just as Porn for Pyros gets ready to head out on what's being called both a reunion and a farewell tour. Um, they are coming to Aspen and Denver, um, along with, you know, they're going from California all the way to New Jersey. Um, Stephen Perkins and singer-songwriter Perry Farrell, who also founded Lollapalooza, um, our bandmates in both Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pyros. And it was great to hear about the genesis of Porno for Pyros in the early 90s and the writing of the hit single Pets, which I'm sure you remember from MTV back in the day. Anyway, uh, thanks to everyone for waiting on me these past few months to resurrect the Mile High Stash podcast. I guess this is kind of a reunion of sorts uh as well and um a farewell but only to the insane once a week podcast thing i was doing with High Stash in addition to the rest of my life um my wonderful girlfriend uh, partner wonder woman Michaela um to quote Jane's addiction you know such a classic girl who gives her man great ideas, uh, suggested I get Mile High Stash going again, but once a month. So that is uh, very wise. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing a new episode of Mile High Stash on the first Monday of every month. It feels like a good way to embrace what's most important in my life, like my daughter and my partner, um, and still not totally throw away my crazy passions like drumming and writing and, um, you know, doing this podcast. Um, and it's, it's great to start season two off by talking with one of my all time favorite drummers. Um, a lot of you have probably seen the, the famous video of, uh, Stephen Perkins playing Keith Moon's, uh, iconic, who are you drum part. And, um, I started wondering when I was talking to Stephen Perkins, uh, what would be the most impressive uh, Jane's Addiction part to play? I I don't know, maybe it would be three days or stop, Um, but there are so many choices and they would all be pretty fucking hard. To pull off. Um, Okay, enjoy my conversation with Stephen Perkins of Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pyros um, after a few quick words from our generous sponsor today, uh, The Dab. The Dab is a veteran-owned dispensary with seven locations in Colorado, owned and operated by Lance Perryman. The Dab offers everything from flour and edibles to pre-rolls, rosin, and accessories like pipes, paper, and pens. Whether you're in search of exotic flour or chill CBD, head to a Dab location in Denver, Aspen, Glenwood Springs, Louisville, or even Parachute, Colorado today, or order at thedab303.com. Don't forget to mention this episode of My Life Stash in the next 30 days at any DAB location to receive 10% off your purchase. Hey, man.
1: Good afternoon. I'm guessing you're in Los Angeles, right? I'm home in my room and uh, very happy to be surrounded by drums. and um, Yeah. My drum tech, Mike's on his way over right now, bringing over the porno kit with the bongos and timbales and all that good percussive element. And uh, right now I'm just sitting at a massive. Yeah. Yeah. But uh. the porno kit's really a whole different vehicle the way I have it set up. And uh, it it actually, when I play with Mike Watt and Pete, we've been using this drum kit for the last three or four rehearsals. And it puts yeah. me in a whole another space because I don't have the bongos and the timbales, all that. So I'm playing a little more backbeat, more pocket. And it's been good for Mike because Watts playing some of these songs for the first time.
0: Yeah. My first memory of you because um I've been playing drums since I was nine. Yeah, I was reading. That That's cool. <laughs> you know, pets came out when I was twelve, and I remember you keeping the beat. I think with your left hand on a little snare. And I had never seen anything like that. I had seen, (laughs) you know, it was always either a a John Bonham or Ringo kit or like Lars Ulrich. So, my question though was what was it like to be in a band at that time when a song like Pets with a weird drum kit and, and a very creative rhythm, you know, could be a hit?
1: Well, that's a great question, because if you think about what the environment was in, in the music scene in 94, um, 93, Jane's Addiction obviously broke up in 91, and I had a year with infectious grooves all before, right. we, before we started porno, so yeah. that was really healthy for me as a drummer. I was starting to meet all these new musicians that were separate of my camp, and I had a great. Camp of musicians, you know, with the mm-hmm. Susie and the Banshees and Butthole Surfers and Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. But when I started playing with the Suicidal Cats, uh, I met a whole new group of musicians, more on the metal side, mm-hmm. and that fine-tuned kind of some of my drum skills away from where Jane's Addiction was, which was very groovy and and um, tribal at the at the essence. And then with infectious grooves, you know, of course we had Robert Trujillo playing a six string, yeah. bunking, you know, completely a one eighty from Eric Avery.
0: Yeah, monster. So this,
1: yeah, complete. You know, <laughs> it takes up a lot of real estate, but mm-hmm. like Eric does, you know, you have to be very careful of where you place your patterns when you're working with a bass player that doesn't just kind of unison the guitar part. Yeah. Uh, Jane Porno Infectious. These bass players have their own spot in the mix. So that's kind of when when um, Infectious was wrapping up and me and Perry were already talking about the future of porno and the sound of it. We didn't want to in any way find a guitar player that would be in the Dave Navarro league as far as fireworks. and Shredding. And, you know, the, the beautiful mm-hmm. psychedelic music that Dave comes up with starts with virtuosity, as mm-hmm. finger. And then, of course, his choices are so psychedelic, and he, he's like a, hes just kind of like this red sky over the over the mix. So we were, we have that with Jane's and and so with porno, I thought let's take up a lot of the spot with vocal and drum rhythm, and we can make polyrhythmic patterns with the vocal, or even two or three drum patterns interplaying with the vocal because Perry's very jazz oriented in his guess, phrasing. And where he places the syllables, it's almost mm-hmm. timbali or bongo-like. That's how I hear Perry yeah, like an, yeah. a percussion player in my world, you know? Mm-hmm. you know. Opposed to me joining his world. We're joining forces in, in a percussive. So going into porno, I really did think bongos, timbales, bells, the timpani kind of came a little later as the songs were being written. Uh, but I wanted to cover this full frequency mix from the highest little pin drop which would be an ice bell back then to the, yeah. the you know sub eight Oh eight roll you know, electric drum and cover from everything there in between. And um, so our goal was really not to think about radio, not to think about what Jane's addiction did and what it could have been if it would continued, mm-hmm. or even to take the temperature of what was around us, which was uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and uh, Alice and a lot of what was coming from you know, the north side of, of Cali, above us, was actually a reason not to be like that, in a sense, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when Pete DiStefano started writing songs with us, he would bring acoustic guitar. He was more likely to bring acoustic guitar and I'd have a bongo. we sit on a couch, then plug into our amps and get into a rehearsal room and actually play with some volume. So... The songs started with this a uh, folk, I guess, imagery, lyrically and guitar wise. And um, that really was to me a punk rock moment. It didn't have punk rock uh, speed or pacing as far as the tuning of the of the how the tunes were like put together. But it was punk rock because it was going against the grain of everything else that was happening. exactly
0: yeah yeah but
1: we had something to say and we really kind of wanted to take our time if you think about pets black girlfriend package 25 orgasm a lot of that record was really the pacing of the song and where the lyrics can tell the story it was a different approach than where james was coming from we really tried to like step aside so you know it, it felt natural for us to make this music as far as hearing it on the radio or the um the you know, the, the bridge between MTV and the, and the listener and the consumer, so to speak. You know, we never really kind of put that into the blender and, and pushed on. We just kept trying new ideas and tried to not replicate where we were, not try to replicate yeah. what Jane's was great at. And see if we can do something a little different. A lot of people were thinking it would be the third Jane's record, the first porn record, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was a real right. fresh band, very raw. And we couldn't be as rehearsed or as fine-tuned. Because if you think about Triple X, it's a live recording at the Roxy. You get what you get. Mm-hmm. Nothing shocking. We had a half a million bucks to spend three months in the studio. So we spent every penny and we spent right. we explored the space of the studio. Like the, the first three minutes of summertime is me on a Gretsch. And the th- the second half of summertime with the big drums is me on a Ludwig with mallets. It was a whole nother mm-hmm. session. We just glued them together. I mean, oh we wow. enjoyed, yeah, we enjoyed the studio. Yeah. By the time we did Ritual, we were a live band that had been on tour for a year. All we did was put the mics up and play three days, and then she did, and that's what she got. You got a live band, kind of like the triple X record, but a way better band and a way better recording, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's like an experience. That's the beginning of TED, the big drum conversation I had with myself, you know? Yeah, and all yeah. that was really studio interplay so with porno we got through so much uh you know it it was really distilled and purified just songs and a band rehearsing the songs and and trying Mm -hmm. to put it together and if you think about pets compared to the rest of the the songs on the record the drums are quite simple i'm very proud Mm -hmm. of that uh it's a left-handed timbali could have been a snare but it's a 10-inch timbali that 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 um john good from dw made me they didn't make timbales at the time. You know, they said, go get some LP or, you know, or, or gone bops. Or, but I was like, no, nah, I'd love to play some brass DW timbales if that's mm-hmm. possible. So, mm-hmm. he had 10 and a 12. And uh, there's a 20-inch kick drum on that tune with no pillow and a 13-inch wooden snare. So, the whole drum sound was quite unique. Yeah. You know? yeah. And Perry wrote the lyrics for Pets at my house. I was feeding my snake, Bobo. And he was writing, would not we make great pets? And I thought of this clock ticking, you know, tick, tock, tick, tock. And so I always thought Motown beats were very clock, um, you know, like a reflection of a clock keeping time, you know? So I I kind of thought Motown meets the lyric and come up with some interesting drum sounds. So the sounds can stand alone just because they're interesting as a, as a sonic experience for the listener, you know, but you know, Think about the great song that was happening at the time, um, the poor guy passed away, Shannon Hoon. Yeah, Blind Melon. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the song. We all know the song, but what was the name of it? No you know, the Rain. Bu- the bubble bee song, yeah. No <laughs> Rain not- was,
0: that's yeah. a good example of 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 how a completely quirky band with a completely quirky song at the time could become huge stars.
1: Absolutely, you know? I think Pets kind of can sit at the same table as that yeah. song. Same yeah. way, happening around us at the time yeah. With it, yeah, yeah, STP and and good stuff, really great, you know, stuff and, and great musicians. But there was something you can put your finger on and say that's the time of music and that's where it came from. But not yeah. with that song, not with Pets, you know, like from nowhere, and, right? You know. The, There's a lot of bands that come and go that do that little imprint, which breaks ground and and the sound of it still is timeless. You know, you really can't, you know, that's really what it's about is writing timeless music, you you know, Mountain Song or I Would For You or Pets, you know, or Tahitian Moon. It's a song that could be 1980, 1880, 2080. It's just a, a good song It's how you produce it. Is how you can tell what year it is, you know. And yeah, what, exactly. What it on it and how, yeah. So that's what I love about a great song is it could be timeless, and it all depends how you want to, you know, decorate it and what instruments, you know. I mean, I, I'm, I always go back to like what classical music, the the imprint of just the, the greatest of all time. If you can say Miles Davis and you can say Beethoven and you can say Hendrix, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, these are the people that changed everything. And from For the that Sex point, Pistols. Yeah, exactly. From that point yeah, on, yeah, nothing really is the same. So you know, James addiction and porno. We always want to be a band that changes people's um uh, mood, because yeah. if that's what we're after, is it uplifting people or giving them uh, something or uh, thought provoking music. You know, that's pro- that's that's provoke thought somehow with our music. And it's okay if you feel anger after a song and you want to destroy. But I'd love to. Had people listen to our record and want to create something of yeah,
0: their own. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, yeah. That's all. You know, you
0: reminded me of, of something that Bill Stevenson of the Descendants and Black Flag yeah. said when I I interviewed him last year. He said that you know punk rock originally, specifically in the S- Southern California area, it was about not sounding like anybody else. So so you you could literally have Los Lobos or X or Black yes. Flag or the Descendants and so one of the things I wanted to ask you about that I feel is punk rock is just you guys, all of a sudden, there's harmonica on this record and the harmonica is so out of left field and it's so quirky and yet it it completely works and, and fits everything. And I almost think of like that Christopher Walken skit on <laughs> SNL where he's like, you know what you guys are going to need is more cowbells. So, so who was the one saying well, this, you know what goes back,
1: need? <laughs> this goes back to us writing songs campfire style. Mm-hmm. Harry has a harmonica in his pocket. Uh, here's a melody. Maybe it could be a trumpet. Maybe it could be guitar. You get to the studio, harmonica still holds water. I mean, that yeah. was where that's where the melody was born. The beginning of of Curse Female. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's yeah. The beginning of the song when we did it at the campfire. Yeah. You know, so it's like when you get to the studio and you try to replace that sound like play with the harp wait a minute that's, yeah, yeah that's actually the sound that we that's the <laughs> sound we need and you know perry's uh vocal effects you know at the time maybe the spx 90 the the, the role in spx 90 is what he's using but the, some of the effects he's using on his voice will also go hand in hand with the instruments he'll be playing and mm-hmm. there is a, a great um, almost like a paprika or a cayenne. You once you taste it in your food, you taste you know what it is. And and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where we uh, uh, feel like our instruments and our personalities on our instruments and our voices should have you know, uh, a, a flavor that you can put your finger on. And I always love the song My Time by Janes, we never read put it in the studio. It's only the triple X record. Same with trip away. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know one percent and there's a few of those songs that are just exactly the way we wrote them back in 86 but wouldn't it be interesting to go in the studio but then also you kick yourself you go you know what maybe not (laughs) they're already done
0: yeah maybe that's just it
1: exactly they're done yeah it's like why you know why go back and try to relive the first date you can't do it right so the harmonica those harmonica parts and those melodies that perry has in his head sometimes will end up being played on another instrument. Um, on the second record, Good God's Urge, he had some ideas that were originally on the harp. I think it ended up being played by Leo Chelyapov on clarinet, which was a song called Wishing Well. And there's also a song, I think there's a harmonica idea that ended up being played on another instrument in Hundred Ways. So sometimes you do kind of lend yourself, okay, that melody works. Maybe we can use a different texture. And that's how I feel at the drum set too, because, you know, writing the songs at a campfire sort of uh, situation with a little egg shaker and a bongo, Mm. the rhythms are very small circles. They're tiny. You get to a drum set, circles are bigger and they take longer time to expand. You know, Mm -hmm. and and the circles can change the way the bass line feels. If they're used to be tiny... And that's how the bass line was written. And then you get on a drum kit and you kind of open them up. That's why a lot of those drum beats can still feel written almost like a hand drum or hand percussion percussion drummer, but on a drum set. Yeah. yeah. Basically, it could be played with just your hands, but I played it on a drum set.
0: How do you keep, you know, what makes Stephen Perkins, Stephen Perkins, (laughs) when, when. You know, you might be changing your sensibility and your kit with each project oh, that you constant. play in.
1: It's constant. I'm, I'm here this morning behind the drum set, trying to reinvent myself, which I've already worked 50 years on to be me. Now yeah. how do I get away from me? I huh. get on the I get on the drum kit. It sounds like me. Great. That's what I wanted. but now I don't want that. So I push myself to do a 180 of of, of maybe um, you know, it, there's always that great performance mirror. It's great to film yourself and record yourself. Yeah. and that that performance mirror, I think is important to kind of re-examine what you want more of, what you should never do again, what you should only do in private, never bring it to the <laughs> never bring it to the band right You know those things I think there's a lot of like intimate privacy uh, that I have between me and my drumsticks and my rhythms. And then I think some are sacred to me because they're only, for me to grow and they're not really musical in a sense for maybe in a, in a position where I would want to present them and, and put them in the blender with the ingredients of somebody else. So yeah. I'm always looking to grow. I mean, Eric Avery will send me a baseline and I'll spend days, months, years trying to find hmm. a B that works
0: Yeah,
1: the, it's best potential when the baseline finally feels like they're married. My, my favorite, you know, Idea of of marrying a, a drum beat and a bass line is like an M.C. Escher etching, you know, with the white duck and the black duck, and you can't really see which duck you're looking at, or the stairs are upside down or they're right side up. His etchings are complicated, but they're simple images, but they just repeat over and over. And yeah. if you think of Mountain Song or Had a dad or any of his great bass lines that he still plays and writes, there's this magical. um you know, I guess you can say a math, it's almost like a math equation. It fits four plus four is eight. You Really can't change that. You can do it in twos. You can do it in three plus five. You can do whatever you want. You're going to get to eight somehow. So I love working with musicians that push me. I love changing my drum set, putting a floor tom next to the hi-hat. And then in a month, putting a tombali next to the hi-hat, putting a ride cymbal on the left and then change that and put a china up there. And, just a drummer can be fortunate to kind of change their uh, environment quickly. And um, what I listen to from reggae to punk to classical to jazz to Indian to Latin, um, you know, kind of just enjoy what I can't do well. And when I get to the drum set, work on that. I know my strengths and my weaknesses, you know. And then when you sit with Flea, I'm so lucky. Or Mike Watt. Or Eric, or any of these great bass players in my life, yeah. I have to think of the hours that they have put in to become a personal. Uh, it's not just an instrument; you can hear Feliz' personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that's always what I wanted. I wanted to be a personality drummer. Like I don't, maybe I don't fit in every every position, every band, every song. No, but my personality will show up in my playing. So I guess that's what I'm after. Is is I'm a changing person, 56. I got a son and a wife 25 years ago. I didn't have that. And so what does that do to my my the urgency to live? What does that do to my urgency to, to, to create? You know, I think about Stuart Copeland. What he put on the police songs, I couldn't stand listening to a, a Sting song without a great drummer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a nice singing, nice guitar changes, cool parts nothing there there's no urgency there's no emergency without stewart you know right 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 like i always wanted to add something to to the song to bring the element that if it's not there it just doesn't work anymore you know that's that's yeah, also yeah. What but not to step on the tune but also to bring like why are you there man there's only a few things that go into the drink of a margarita. Mm. So make sure that they're exact ingredients. And that's what you've been doing for 50 years. Everybody knows that's what goes into a margarita. And they can tilt it, vary it, but the traditional. So my ingredients as a drummer is to bring, you know, uh, uh, sensitive to the lyric and the subject, sensitive to the phrasing and the urgency of the singer. Mm -hmm. Just as much as where the bass line and the guitar, and just as much as when you don't play, you know, those moments when you pull out and that, waiting for us to fall into it. Everyone in the audience is like on the edge of their fucking seat because of us. You know? Yeah, yeah. The rhythm, the the like a piece of taffy, you know, and Bonham is hearing the one at the on the E of the of the O N E. Copeland's here one on the O of the O N E. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just one word. One. Yeah. But it's huge. I mean it's where we can really expand on the on the actual click. It's a massive It's a real estate that we get to play on, before, after, between. It's up to us. And the more we understand that, the more we can move the music and tilt it in our in our favor as far as like where we think. I think drummers have the greatest. My work guy conductors. A conductor can do Beethoven's Fifth in twelve minutes. Another guy will do it in eleven forty. It's the same to music, you know. It's like a drummer. A drummer can all of a sudden the song is like three seconds shorter The take what happened that's a drummer man yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so you have spent a lot of time um in colorado over the years i'm sure and you can picture you can picture the mountains and um you know um your shows are going to be in aspen and denver so we ask every guest this one question if you were stranded in, yeah. a, in a remote Colorado cabin, there was a zombie apocalypse and <laughs> you're completely alone and you could only bring five albums. What would you bring?
1: Well, on that note, I would go with double records mostly. So I would think Beatles White Album, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti, uh, Tommy, The Who, and then one single record which would be Miles Davis Sketches of Spain. Yeah. Wow, and- I mean you, you got all this rock and all these big,
0: you know, famous drummers and and then you have Sketches <laughs> of Spain. That's great.
1: Well, I can go out any jazz record would would kind of blend, but Sketches sticks out as more than a jazz record. That's just Yeah. It's,
0: it's like a, a movie.
1: Yeah, it's an art piece. Yeah. So and there's so much to draw from those rock records those are the hours i spent mostly listening to in my life were the beatles and the floyd and the stones not the stones excuse me and and, and um zepp Definitely. and who but you know if you think about i said the stones if you think about the stones it was more in the background than any other band in your life it's always on the radio it's always the yeah. Stones are always there but these other bands i put on i didn't put on the stones that much you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I heard I heard of a shitload.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but you know the the best thing about music, and I was talking about our great loss of Taylor Hawkins. Man, we can listen to his yeah. drum. We can go back and hear him. His urgency, his emergency. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know what I mean, what he brought to yeah. a, song, a club or a arena sounded the same to him. It was just go for it, and then he and, would get out and sing. Yeah, exactly. And there's that yeah. kind of like the ego that all drummers should be able to show is that a drum set is the loudest thing on the stage, but we're hidden behind all the cymbals and drums and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful place to be, but I love seeing him and other singer, other drummers get out there and sing and see like, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, it's, um I love singing and I do a lot of it, but to get on stage is, uh, you know, like an actor, you almost have to be an actor. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That- that's kind of cool to see what he became when he sang, you know, cause we, I know him so well, the drummer, and he's never yeah. acting. He was never, never acting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a story for you. It's, it's very short, but the first Great. time that I ever, that I ever played a show in Los Angeles, I was, I was on, I was like 21 and I was on a bill of like four bands at, at this place called 14 below. Yeah, of course. And you were playing with Watt at, 14 below with Banyan, I think. And so, you know, I'm this kid and I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm going to get to shake Stephen Perkins hand tonight. And it's going to be amazing. And so I'm loading out after our set, all sweaty and you're standing there with Taylor Hawkins and Jimmy Chamberlain. And I almost died. I was just like, this this is insane. (laughs) So, so I was, I was wondering if you had, if you ever had a moment like that as a young drummer, like, I can't believe I'm getting to meet this guy.
1: Yeah, it's it's keeps happening to me and as now that I'm 56 and I get to see and and get to be in the same room and and talk to some of the drummers I grew up with and they're only 76, right? Mm-hmm. And they're 20 years older than me but growing up they were everything. That's all I knew. And that's yeah. all I wanted to be with these guys and so it's it's constant but I think one of the favorite I guess relationships that I have in the drum world would, you know, definitely have to be the meeting Terry Bozio Mm. and then bumping into him over the years and having talks about music and art. And I always thought, as as a drummer, he was a spectacular, like a not even from this earth, like
0: yeah,
1: yeah, I don't even, I don't even want to know where he is from. It doesn't (laughs) matter. It's like so that he was such a magical magical like uh I, I couldn't ever as a kid wonder what this man would be like and now i do know and he's just like us he likes the drum you know i <laughs> like talking about drumming but i think that's really the the very charming for me to know him and to have him in my life yeah at all yeah um but growing up So many great musicians and then being surrounded by them at this age and and having Mike Watt in Porno for Pyros and Eric Avery's back in Jane's Addiction and these guys these guys I met when I was 17 and they're still my heroes. I still wanna impress them when I play with them. I still have you know what I mean? This is like this is my chance now. I can show these guys what I'm made of. I still feel (laughs) So that's that's really important to surround yourself with people that, you know, that I was, I was talking to another musician about you want to be surrounded by great players because a great tennis player doesn't want to ace the the comp- you know his opponent he wants to get yeah some some yeah. rattling you know what I mean yeah. and, then, and then beat him you know but still right. you want to still have some games so it's a it's fun to have gaming and get pushed around a little bit in in a musical yeah. sense and get you know push each other up so yeah yeah I don't want to keep you.
0: I don't want to keep you any longer, but just one last thing. I mean, why, sure. why is this a reunion and a farewell at the same time?
1: Yeah, that's sad. Well, it came together because um Jane's addiction couldn't put together a band at this one moment. Navarro couldn't make it. And we thought, should we just pull the plug on the Jane Show? And our beautiful manager, Ian, said, what? porno for pyros, man, what about you guys? You guys, you yeah. guys, why, why don't you play? So it became, it was an organic rebirth, which was great. But with yeah. addiction, there's a huge understanding of what we need to do to become uh, great again as Janes. So I think it's going to be, love the porno for pyros moment that we're in. But, let's not think about how to kind of checkerboard the bands. yeah, Let, oh, let's Eric is back. porno can always exist because it's a campfire band at heart. We can get together., yeah. but I think the Jane's addiction, you know, the bull'seye and and the target that we all think is um so important in our life is is possible but it has to be uh, the things some things have to be cleared out of the way i guess in a sense
0: yeah yeah
1: but ever you know for me playing with perry is playing with perry you know and yeah and the, yeah, yeah you know and then play with eric or navarro or martine or watt or pete it's just songs and me just being with my friends and playing songs so it doesn't mm. Sense to even put a word farewell on it, you know, I don't like that yeah, word. Yeah, that's
0: good. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's good. I'm not a big fan of the word. so, but I'm very flexible with the, you know, okay, let's let's put together a farewell tour and and do it, and um, you know, Perry is an endless amount of energy and, and ideas, and so you know, anything goes. I just heard that they might possibly, I think it was, so. Grateful the dad and company just kind of stopped touring, but now I heard they might yeah. do the the dome in, in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I guess the tour, they did do a farewell tour, but now they just, you can come to them.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot <laughs> of bands have done. I mean, how many yeah. farewell tours did Kiss Do? There's a lot of farewell tours. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it yeah. was
1: kind of like there was, it was uh, born kind of organically, and uh, we don't want to. Kind of stick it into a place where it doesn't belong. Just let it kind of grow and, and see what happens. But yeah. it, that's a good question. You know, the songs that are coming out—the last two, Pete's Dad, which was a little bit older, but uh Agua—and there's two yeah. more coming around. Great. It just fucking—it it feels like there's purpose in these songs. So I, I yeah. guess if, if there's a purpose for us, yeah, there will be more. <laughs> you know. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say that.
0: Thank cool. you so much for talking with me. And, and thank yes. you so much for getting the band back together. So people like me who were in junior high when the first album came out can finally see you guys play.
1: Absolutely. We're going to do a yeah. great show and many, many unusual like experiences on stage in the moment. Cause we don't play a lot. It's just going to be a band out there doing it. And that's cool. You know, I love oh. that.
0: Awesome. I'm so thank excited you. to see it, man. Peace. Thank you. Have a great day. You too, man. That was Stephen Perkins of Porno for Pyros and Jane's Addiction and a lot more talking with me about the um, much-anticipated um, Porno for Pyros reunion slash farewell tour, which uh, kicks off on February 13th in Santa Ana, California and is going to go for a, about a month all the way out to New Jersey. Um, they're going to stop in Aspen at Belly Up on February 21st and then at the Fillmore in Denver on February 22nd, which is the one I hope to get to. Uh, thanks for listening and thank you to The Dab for sponsoring today's episode of Mile High Stash. It's good to be back and I will see you um on the first monday of march um and don't forget to drop a review on apple podcasts that really helps and you can also find out more about mile high Stash at milehighstash.com and we love to hear from you guys you know questions complaints donations uh you know therapy advice whatever you got uh at milhigh stash at gmail.com we will talk soon. Old I
1: just don't show your passion for ever changing eternal twilight. Go on and give oblivion a shot. Go on and fade to gray. you got to maybe you'll do better without God and me, I'll do better. Without you.
0: I will